WMNF is more than just 88.5 FM. You can also find us online at WMNF.org. Check out the latest news stories, how to volunteer, future WMNF concerts, stream live or the latest episode of your favorite music shows, and more. And of course, you can always show your support by clicking on the Donate Now button. Explore your community at WMNF.org. You are tuned to WMNF Radio 88.5 FM. Right-wing influencers are going full racist against diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. Prisoners in the United States are part of a hidden workforce linked to hundreds of popular food brands. And a hip-hop pioneer is headed to Tampa Bay. But we will talk to David DMX today. This is Community Speaks. And I'm your host, Patrick Mobili. You can follow the show on Facebook or follow me at Mobilio, Critical Times Radio. This is your community conscious radio station. And like us, our first guest is also community conscious as the president of Hillsborough County Black Chamber of Commerce. Nicole Payne is a business consultant and a doctoral candidate at the University of South Florida, Tampa campus. And she joins us on the telephone right now to talk to us uh, about a special initiative happening tomorrow, I do believe. So I want to go ahead and get the program started, talking to Nicole Payne as we start off Community Speaks here on your non-commercial radio station. And of course, we would like to hear from you as well. Uh, you could also write me a DJ at WMNF.org, but Irene stands ready to take your telephone call. But right now, we're going to go ahead and talk with Nicole Payne here on Community Speaks. Talk about a very special initiative taking place starting tomorrow. Are you there, Nicole? Thank you for joining me here on Community Speaks. Yes, I am, Patrick. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. So, Thank you for having me on the show today. Yeah, thank you for joining me. And uh, is, uh, I understand that the Black Chamber of Commerce is going to be the featured organization for a nonprofit mixer surrounding a special Giving Tuesday event. Tell us more. Yes, yes. We're super excited about uh, Giving Tuesday is what uh, Wine and Whiskey uh, has uh, called it. And so this year we've got something special. So um, by participating in this Giving Tuesday event, um, which will be held at the Wine and Whiskey, uh, excuse me, the, <laughs> I love wine, the Whiskey <laughs> Rhythm on the Howard Avenue from 6 to 10 tomorrow. So it's not just an evening of philanthropy. It's also a celebration of unity and compassion. And so there'll be uh, live music, there'll be food for purchase, and the gathering of individuals who all share one common goal, which is to make a meaningful difference in our community. Um, but here's the icing on the cake. A portion of the proceeds from the event tomorrow evening goes directly to the chamber. And so that means just by simply joining us for this event, you're contributing to valuable programs that support our entrepreneurs right here in Hillsborough County. And these programs 
are basically the lifeblood of our community. Uh, we provide essential resources and guidance to local businesses, and they help entrepreneurs thrive and grow and create a positive impact that basically ripples through our region. And so, you know, we're basically employing the community to come out and be a part of this movement. So your presence alone just sends a powerful message of support to our local nonprofits and the incredible work that they do. Um, so I'm super excited to be a part of it and, uh, and very thankful for them having us as uh, one of their recipients. Yes, and uh, so I was going to ask you who benefits. So it sounds like entrepreneurs in here in the local area. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'm very interested in hearing more about the Black Chamber of Commerce uh, in terms of your yeah. your vision, your your big vision for Tampa yeah, Bay. I, yeah, absolutely. So I am the newly appointed uh, president of the chamber. Um, the chamber are Hillsborough County Black Chamber of Commerce, or what we also refer to HCBCC, uh, started last year. And so we have been taking memberships uh, since June 9th um, was our first inaugural membership drive. And uh, we've amassed uh, about 117 uh, new members thus far. And uh, I started off as the managing director and uh, out in a community with our previous president, uh, Daryl Height. And uh, we were basically, you know, knocking on as many doors as we can, as many rooms as would allow us in and spreading the word of what we are doing. And so we provide educational resources uh, to small businesses in Hillsborough County, and uh, we provide a lot of workshops. Uh, last year, we had thousands of people come through our workshops. We've held um, how to start a food truck workshop. We've had a tax mastery workshop. We've had a workshop on how to legitimize your business from certifications, customer service, um, AI in a day workshops, um, teaching our small business owners how to utilize uh, AI uh, to automate some of their their business needs. Um, um, but also, you know, uh, networking opportunities. Um, we had a very popular um, a wind down Wednesday held at one of our banking partners' uh, uh, facilities, uh, BMO Bank. And so we've shown people, you know, how to uh, get grant funding, um, business loans, uh, teaching them about credit and, uh, and, and health and wellness um, as an entrepreneur. So a lot of very important um, events that we put on. Um, we are the Hillsborough County Black Chamber of Commerce. And black is also an acronym. And uh, black stands for business leaders acquiring capital and knowledge. And the, the capital and knowledge is a very integral part of, uh, of being a part of a chamber is because everybody wants to know where's the money, you know, show me the money. I need money. Um, but you also have to know what to do with that money. So educating uh, business owners, the differences between getting grants and getting uh, loans um, was important. Um, but we also provide all of our members upon them attending our orientation or indoctrination we provide them with the black card, a physical black card, um, uh, 
like the proverbial black card, we give them an <laughs> actual black card. And so, you know, we'll have affiliate programs and other uh, savings programs with different businesses throughout the community so they can present their black card for a discount, but it also contains their contact information, uh, their business, so they can save you know, $500 a year right off the top and not have to buy another uh, business card because that is their electronic business card, um, which we've partnered um, with Boop. Um, uh, Martika has um, gotten behind that, and she's got a great product. And so we've, um, we've partnered with them to provide them this black card. And so it gives them something that they can um, utilize but also be proud a member of the Black Chamber. Wow, sounds like a lot of initiatives underway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is why we need everyone's help. <laughs> we yeah. need everyone to come out and show out and uh, continue to support us as we go through this year, um, you know, focusing on building not only the chamber membership, but also acquiring resources so we can bring more programs. Uh, the next thing we want to work on is a chamber channel, um, which we will be on everyone's television stations um, where they can stream and watch us uh, bring forth these uh, events that they're not able to watch in person, but can also tune in. So we've got a lot of things, great things going on in the city. And, um, and I also like to say, and you know, and I'll, Shut up that for me because I can go on and on about the wonderful of the chamber. <laughs> but, but I also like to say that, you know, we are a chamber that recognizes there are a lot of great organizations out here. And sometimes you just don't know who to go to when you're in need. And so we, we like to say that we collaborate with other organizations and other chambers, um, you know, at the, at the bottom, people compete, but at the top you collaborate. And so we've worked with the Latin Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we've met with the Haitian Chamber of Commerce. We've met with um, PFC, People for Change um, Chamber of Commerce. So there's a lot of organizations out there um, that provide wonderful things. And sometimes, um, you know, things are, 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 are so spread out that they don't know where to go, but then right. also sometimes services overlap. And so where we overlap, we want to share that knowledge. And where there's a gap, we want to be able to provide uh, the necessary resources that our small business owners need. Well, we're talking to Nicole Payne. You are, she's the president of the Hillsborough County Black Chamber of Commerce, talking about some of the initiatives and especially a very special initiative coming tomorrow on Giving Tuesday. And, uh, Nicole, you know, th you just told me about some chambers that I had never heard of before. I didn't know even existed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's some, there's a, there's a climate right now that mm -hmm. anything you do, if you put black to it, it's seen as something that needs to be militated against by black. the, the culture, the larger culture that that is who seem to want to keep everybody locked out of progress right. in this climate. And I'm just concerned about, you know, what other ideas uh, can we put out there? I know that there's a, there's been a, I've been on a crusade at least verbally to get people interested in uh, a black wall street initiative that would mm -hmm. help people to, to black people to organize uh, economically, maybe some banks, you know, based on the 
Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, but we have mm-hmm. such a, a, a need. We, right now, we're in a climate where they're not even interested in that history, not even any initiatives to uh, promote progress. And right. I'm just wondering what young people are feeling in this in this moment, in this climate right now, especially well, against know, they, diversity and equity and inclusion. Yeah, I know the, uh, we have certain individuals um, in our country that is trying to make DEI a bad word, a curse word, um, if you will. And to the uninformed, um, maybe that can work. Um, but to those who get offended by hearing about a black organization, an organization that is designed to help those that are disenfranchised at disproportionately rates than than other uh, uh, groups in in our country, those are the individuals that wouldn't support us anyway. And um, and so. Those who understand the importance of our work get behind us. Um, we have white members in our, our chamber. They understand that um, black nonprofit organizations have a harder time uh, obtaining vital resources um, in comparison to our white peer organizations. Now, no one you know, calls the other chambers uh, white chambers of commerces, um, but they exist. And sometimes uh, those, and, and, and not disparaging them in any way, um, they're great organizations for what they do. But many times when you look at the leadership of these organizations, they don't have us in mind. And so to those who would say, well, we don't see color, well, what happens is that they don't see color so much that they ignore the needs of communities like ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so we exist because the first offense started in 1492. We didn't just start um, pushing for black initiatives yesterday. Um, You know, this has been a a long haul battle um, in America. Um, between many different uh, uh, individuals, organizations, uh, government uh, agencies, and we have to keep on fighting back until true equality is reached. And we're not there yet. Um, we can we cannot say in 2024 that racism doesn't exist anymore. Um, you may be able to find you know small pockets of you know happiness amongst your circle groups of friends and and that is great and we want that to continue and to expand um, but we do know research shows time and time again that where there are white leaders and nonprofit organizations they tend to get the most funding um, even in funding that is set aside for um, for minorities. Many times you find white women getting the bulk of that because they also classify as a minority group. And so, you know, we're still out here unapologetically about the people that we serve. Um, We are inclusive, but also keep in mind that we understand that when it comes to bank loans, when it comes to grant funding, when it comes to social awareness, that a lot of uh, black and brown businesses uh, get pushed aside. So that's why it's important that we continue to do the work that we do without fear, without apology, um, and and stand up for what we know is right. Um, choose equality. Um, 
and uh, we'll all be great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's enough to go around, but too often equality is not chosen; superiority is. And uh, and 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 I'm and I'm here to keep on spreading the word that we need help too. Right, and we all need all hands on deck because we. I see now that we are in a, a sort of silly season on racism when. We've seen what happened to Boeing, for instance, last mm-hmm. week. And people like Elon Musk had the nerve to try to blame what happened, those planes, uh, problems with the Boeing planes having something to do with DEI. <laughs> you know? So it sounds like we're getting into the silly season. Right. And this is the kind of, of these are the kinds of lies that we have to fight against. Me right. to have well, that kind of innuendo, right? And and we know uh, disingenuous, you know, comments, and um, you know, anyone with a, um, a a small amount of emotional intelligence um, can see through it um, that it's not to blame, um, you know, DEI. It really it, there's incompetent people in all types of groups right. and classifications and so forth. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the silly season, I, I don't know if it really is a season because, I mean, it's been around for a few hundred years. But, yeah, um, yeah it, it is terrible. And, um, you know, we continue to have to, you know, work ten times as hard to prove ourselves, um, you know, over and over again and still get uh, doors uh, shut out on us, um, you know, which is why I want to implore people to come out and keep on supporting, um, to reinvest in ourselves. And a good way to ensure that we're reinvesting in ourselves and building uh, back up the Black Wall Streets is by showing up at Whiskey and Rhythm tomorrow at 6 6 p.m. Um, we'll mm-hmm. be there from 6 to 10. Um, you investing in another small business is investing in other small businesses um, through and through. Um, like I said, until there is equality, we have to keep on making sure we reinvest back into ourselves. And, uh, and, and as long as they keep on shutting the doors, then we have to keep on investing in ourselves. So they can't right. have it both ways. <laughs> they can't say, we don't want you here, but then say, well, we don't want you to help yourself either. Exactly. So, you know, it, you, you have to have one or the other. Um, preferably, I'd like to have all inclusivity and equality, but that's not here yet. So we have to deal in reality and not in the fantasy. So, you know, come out and support tomorrow at uh, Whiskey and Rhythm. All right. With Nicole Payne, president of... Hillsborough County's Black Chamber of Commerce. Tell us once again what BLACK is an acronym for. BLACK stands for Business Leaders Acquiring Capital and Knowledge. All right. Any place people can join or go on online to get more information about Giving yes. Tuesday? Yes, they can go to hillsboroughblackchamber.org. Visit our website. They can join. Uh, they can see our calendar of events. And when you join, you'll also be able to see the other business members we have. And we can um, to look to network with those business leaders. We have all different types of, of entrepreneurs uh, part of our, our membership body. So uh, feel free to, again, go on our website, hillsboroughblackchamber.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Hillsborough County Black Chamber. 
of Commerce and also on Instagram, it is HCBCC underscore. All right. Not just a an ineffectual organization. This is a brand new organization that is doing big things. So, yes. thank you, Nicole. Yes. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Patrick. And uh, hopefully we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, look forward to it. Enjoy. Oh, my bad. This has been that first uh, guest for Community Speaks, Nicole Payne. And uh, if you have any questions for her, go online to Hillsborough County Black Chamber of Commerce to find out more information about those initiatives and how to join and uh, about Giving Tuesday tomorrow. So you can go online and get more information about that. And, uh, you know, it's, we were talking about the anti-DEI rants that the right-wing influencers have been going on. Elon Musk has been throwing his weight around trying to call things D-I-E, die. Take it. Uh, he was the one that made that crazy tweet about airplanes crashing and killing hundreds of people for them to change this crazy policy of D-I-E, as he calls it. The obvious innuendo is that black people are responsible for Boeing's failures. And so I wonder who's responsible for the the Tesla cars blowing up and for those Tesla cars that, you know, are stopping in the middle of the street and causing more problems on the streets than anybody. And it's really done a lot to hurt the, the progress of electric vehicles and that he changed his focus from... Uh, electric vehicles to automation which has caused more problems on the roads than any recent development in business so i think that he needs to check himself he's becoming a a true failure and we're going to see just how much more he's got to offer and uh how much he's going to offer the racist to keep talking about these uh anti-dei initiatives because we see that big company is, in terms of global governance, good governance, you know, has come under, you know, the company of Tesla has come under real fire for the way it treats its workers, especially as workers of color. So I'm certain we'll be revisiting that issue as time goes on. But I do want to thank Nicole Payne from the Hillsborough County Black Chamber of Commerce for joining me here on Community Speaks. And I want to hear from you. The number to call is 813-239-9663. We're looking to hear from another guest. Uh, But until that time comes, I just want to share with you some other stories that's been going on. I mentioned earlier that prisoners in the United States are part of a hidden workforce, which has been linked to hundreds of popular food brands. And this story starts out in Angola, Louisiana, uh, which is the home of one of the worst prison work camps in the country. But in this sweeping two-year investigation, the Associated Press found goods linked to prisoners wind up in the supply chains of everything from Frosted Flake cereal and ballpark hot dogs to gold medal flour and Coca-Cola. They are on the shelves of most supermarkets, including Kroger, Target, Whole Foods, and they're also exported 
the prisoners who help produce these goods are disproportionately people of color. Some are sentenced to hard labor and forced to work or face punishment and are sometimes paid pennies an hour or nothing at all. And they're also excluded from protections guaranteed to almost all other full-time workers, even when they're seriously injured or killed on the job. And it can almost be impossible for them to sue. And so as we get further into this story, a hidden path to America's dinner tables, as they're calling it, prisons to table, uh, the uh, uh, prison to plate, this hidden path to your dinner table begins at this unlikely place, Angola Prison, a former southern slave plantation that is now the country's largest maximum security prison, unmarked trucks packed with prison-raised cattle roll out of the Louisiana State Penitentiary where men are sentenced to hard labor and forced to work for pennies an hour or sometimes, as I said, nothing. After rumbling down a country road to this auction house, the cows are bought by a local rancher and then followed by the Associated Press another 600 miles to a, a Texas slaughterhouse that feeds into the supply chains of giants like McDonald's, Walmart, and Cargill. Intricate, invisible webs, just like this one, link some of the world's largest food companies and the most popular brands to jobs performed by U.S. prisoners nationwide, according to a sweeping two-year AP investigation into prison labor that tied hundreds of millions of dollars worth of agricultural products to goods sold on the open market. And they are among the United States' most vulnerable laborers. If they refuse to work, some can jeopardize their chances of parole or face punishment, like being sent to solitary confinement. And they also are often excluded from protections, you know, guaranteed to almost all other full-time workers, even when they're seriously injured or killed on the job. So... The goods these prisoners produce wind up in the supply chains of a dizzying array of products. And as I mentioned some of those earlier, all on the shelves of virtually every supermarket in the country, including those I mentioned earlier, like Kroger and Target. And some goods are exported. And many of these companies buying directly from prisons are violating their own policies against the use of such labor. But... It's completely legal, dating back largely to the need for labor to help rebuild the South's shattered economy after the Civil War. Enshrined in the Constitution by the 13th Amendment, slavery and involuntary servitude are banned except as punishment for a crime. And that clause is currently being challenged on the federal level in efforts to remove similar language from state constitutions are expected to reach the ballot in about a dozen states this year and some prisoners work on the same plantation soil where slaves harvested cotton tobacco and sugarcane more than 150 years ago with some present-day images looking eerily similar to the past in louisiana which has one of the country's highest incarceration rates men working on the farm line still stoop over crops stretching far into the distance and uh looking just like those who were enslaved on plantations 
in the past. We'll talk more about these stories. This is a far-reaching investigation, and uh, we're going to talk more and more about this uh, this story as time goes on. We're going to get back to the telephone lines and uh, back to Community Speaks. Uh, we got D, uh, Davey DMX. He's joining us on the telephone lines. Um, as uh seems like quite a few others are joining me here on the phone line. So we're going to go back to the telephone lines. And uh, I believe along with Davey DMX joining me, there's going to be the, uh, I think, uh, owner from Whiskey and Rhythm joining us on the telephone lines as well. So looks like we got a couple of uh, people joining us on the telephone. So we'll get right away to the telephone lines and see what they all have to say. Looks like uh, Davey D is here. Davey, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself, sir? Pretty good. Pretty good. And uh, we're also joined on the telephone by DJ Double Up. Are you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. How are you doing? Pretty good. Thank you for joining me. DJ Double Up and uh, also Harriet Jackson uh, from Whiskey and Rhythm. Harriet, are you there? Hi. Yes, I'm here. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, looks like we're going to be joined here in Tampa Bay by David D. Coming to Wine and Whiskey February the 1st, I believe. David? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. And Harriet, you're going to be hosting. Yes. Yes, I am. And Davey? Whiskey. Oh, okay. Whiskey and Rhythm. And uh, DJ Double Up, you're also coming? Yes, sir. I'm I'm one of the resident DJs there, so we'll be uh oh okay. Down, open it up for uh, Davy, and then uh, hopefully close it down a little bit for Davy as well. But just happy to have one of the pioneers. Yes, especially for us DJs here in town. So looking forward to it. Okay, so DJ Double Up, you're the resident DJ at Whiskey Rhythm, and Davy D, you're going to be guest DJing on February the first. Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. And, and shout out to DJ Royce as well. DJ Royce is the other resident DJ there at Whiskey and Rhythm as well. Oh, okay. Okay, so tell us about the event. Tell us what's going on. Harriet, you want to start? Oh, hi. Hi, yes. So um, we're starting off um, this week with our Nonprofit Tuesdays, focusing on um, reaching out and trying to... Um, get back into the community. I am a local here that just coming back. So I'm a Florida native, homegrown, um, just coming back into the community. I've been gone for about 18 years and I wanted to take the opportunity to partnership within the community to try to bring some um, collaboration and and be a change agent for our our local community. So I'm working with um, DJ Double Up, uh, DJ Royce and team to kind of build this, um, this venture that we have with uh, the collaboration efforts and bringing some good food, good music, and just all around a fun time back to the community. All right. Great. Sounds like a, a good time. That's going to be what time on February the 1st? Uh, doors are opening at 5 p.m. On, on February 1st. Oh, okay. All right. So, DJ, uh, David D., you haven't been to the Tampa Bay area before. Is this going to be your first trip here? Uh, no, I've, I've, I've been there several oh, times. Oh, okay, you've been I'm here. Also, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm also a, a bass player for Public Enemy. 
they named a few things I did. Uh, um, I produced uh, Run DMC, Run's House. Um, so, it, it, you know, just moving around, I've, I've been to Tampa, you know, one of my favorite places. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, I was Curtis Blow's DJ, so. Yes. I, I toured the world with him, so. Yeah. And also with my, my um, being an artist and a DJ, I've, I've, I've moved around quite a bit. But this sounds like it's going to be great to get a chance for, you know, to kick off Black History Month, February the 1st, with you. Getting the chance to see oh, yeah. you and meet you. Especially as we look over the last 50 years of hip-hop. And, uh, you know, there's Uh a lot of issues there uh, that concern me. And I'm just, you know, there's one I'm looking at, you know, that I'd like to talk to you about and anyone else to join this conversation. uh, As we look back over the, the, your career and over the 50 years of growth of of this genre, uh, how do you think it's going in terms of uh, being a liberationist sort of genre where people didn't have to depend on the, the big record companies anymore? Uh, you know, it's, it's got pretty commercial, i say. Um, you know, the, the substance of, of the lyrics has changed, you know, because uh, um, mm-hmm. hip-hop could definitely be used as an educational tool. Um but yeah, you know they they kind of dumbed it down, and um, yeah, you well, know, and it's because of the powers that be because they control, you know, they they signed the, the artists to the label. So that's that, you know, until until we get our own independent labels, things like that, and uh, being a, being able to promote, you know, that's what we have to deal with. But you know, there's a, a burning issue I want to ask you about that's been on my mind a lot lately. And it seems, this is the issue that seems to play into the hands of those who wrote off hip-hop immediately after it started. But then that is the criminalization of people, especially the tendency to use rap lyrics in criminal trials against rappers. Do you share my concern, whether it be those who purposely confess (laughs) through lyrics or those who may be innocent, but a jury was prejudiced by the introduction of lyrics the artists made up but are now being used against them. Yeah, you know, uh, you know saying whatever you say can be used against you. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it's, it's deep, you know. Um, and, and, and the fact that, you know, um, people are getting uh, incarcerated or, or, or prosecuted for, you know, some things they talk about on the record, and whether it's true or not, you know, um, yeah. you, you get caught up. You, you, once you get caught up in it, you know, it's hard to talk your way out of it. Yeah, because I'm thinking of a New Orleans rapper, and his name won't be mentioned, but that, that has happened. He was uh, prosecuted, but ultimately was able to get it overturned, I do believe, after he spent some time in jail. But it just seems like it's an easy, it's become an easy way to criminalize. And so you would wonder why even made-up lyrics would be used. But I, that's just an issue that is burning in my mind as we look back over the last 50 years of hip-hop. This seems to be a development that is uh, playing into the hands of those who would hate us anyways. Can, can I say something about Certainly, that? Certainly, DJ. I, 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 mm-hmm. 
I think it's deeper than that. I think the problem is based in the glorification of of violence that these record labels are pushing. Mm. Because a lot of these young men don't feel that there there's some type of legitimacy in in street life that they're pushing and this is what the record labels are actually pushing. They're not giving these contracts to people who are conscious or who are talking about upliftment. Mm. You know, back in the day when people got into hip hop originally, it was for the love of the music. It wasn't for a monetary gain necessarily. Right. You did the music and the money came with it. And in the eighties, yeah. I'm I'm old school, so I remember X Clan and KRS One and Public Enemy and all these groups who were talking about black nationalism back when we were rocking the African medallions and everybody wanted to go to an HBCU because the whole reason why I even went to an HBCU is because I would see rappers with HBCU sweatshirts on and things like that. So it was a different message right. in a different time. Nowadays, everything is glorified violence, and those are the only people that these record labels are signing. That's the problem. Davey hit up on it. The problem is we have a billion-dollar industry, and we have no ownership. Hmm. We have culture vultures that come into our, our culture. Hip-hop is rooted in the inner city and black culture from African traditions, starting with the drums and Cool Herc, starting with the breakbeats. All of this is in our culture, but we have no ownership of something we started and something we owned, and that's the problem. It's just like even if you look at BET, if you look at the programming that BET puts on now, it's much different from the BET that I grew up watching. Oh, yeah. So, so when you start looking at things like that, it's about ownership, and if we had more ownership in the things that we were doing, we would be able to put out different messages because your J. Coles and your Kendrick Lamars, they get lost in the messaging. Oh, yeah. And now we're putting all this stuff out just to make sure that we can get a, get a, a, a record deal because if you're not glorifying violence, unfortunately, it's much harder for you to get a record deal. So I think it's a systematic thing that has to be changed mm. with, with us right. for there to be a change. Same thing goes with the, the female artists as well, you know? Oh, yeah. Tell us more about that. What's being, what's being glorified is, 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 like, you know, you could be a stripper and, and be successful as a rapper, you know, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the start, the start of hip-hop, you know, you had Queen Latifah and people like that that was uplifting, yeah. more or less. I mean, you know, the beautiful bodies and everything, but, you know... Uh, we 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 sell the messages, not you know, not look like a hooker. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I have to give Little Kim part of the credit for that because it seems like ever since sex was put into it, that's where kind of where where females go. I had a conversation with my son who's sixteen, and he was he said to me, "Well, Dad, N.W.A. was saying the same stuff, but as I was explaining to him, it was a lot different. N.W.A. was telling you about what was going on that." people couldn't see or people didn't know outside of our neighborhoods. They didn't know the violence that was right. going on. So it was kind of bringing a light to the violence as exactly police brutality and all these different things, the, the, the conditions people were living in. But now it's just changed to where, you know, it's glorified. I tell him, if you grew up in the hood, you wanted to get out the hood. Now these kids want to go to the hood. There's a big, there's a big difference there. And it's just such a disconnect. It's just a disconnect. Now. Right. So that wasn't that wasn't the uh, original 
idea, though. The idea was, as you said, uplift. I mean, whatever happened to the Stop the Violence movement that was initiative, an, an initiative of old school hip hop? Right. Big business. Big business and money happened. Yep. That's what happened. Once you were able to profit, once, once the powers that be saw that we were, they were able to profit off of us, because I come, all of us on this phone come from a generation where you had to sit up on the radio. You had to sit up late at night to hear hip hop on the radio. <laughs> you weren't seeing it on a commercial. You weren't hearing it on TV. We're, we're way before that. Where now hip hop is a driving culture for pretty much a generation and some, and really the world. I mean, I saw a video the other day of some Chinese um, um, b-boys. Italian yeah. rappers. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. there isn't a country you can go to right now that doesn't have a rapper in it. So that tells you the power of, of hip-hop. But the second monetary money came into it and big business came into it, you know, once they put Hammer on a Taco Bell commercial and you can see you can sell millions with this, then that's, that was just the, down, the downfall of hip-hop because a lot of these kids are just doing hip-hop not for the love of the music but just trying to make some money. Well, it seems like it would be wise to look back at our generation, your, you and, and me and everyone on the telephone and say, well, that's where, you know, those people have buying power now. <laughs> so you would want to get back to the messaging, right? You would think. And right. so I guess this is, this is one way of empowering that the, the genre can empower itself once again especially through initiatives like what's happening tomorrow uh, on February 1st. More of that is needed. Right. Yeah. Well, more, more of the celebration of the, the pioneers of hip-hop. The, one of the sad things I always say about hip-hop is we don't respect the elders of hip-hop. Mm. It's almost like hip-hop is the only music that you can age out of. Meanwhile, you can have a group like Kiss or, or, or uh, Rolling Stones. These guys 70, 80 year, 70, 80 years old still selling out arenas, but a Big Daddy Kane or somebody like a Rakim, somebody who's an older um, golden era rapper, they're looked at as old and not, not as appreciated in the culture of rap. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it is sad. So it's just one of those things that the whole, our whole paradigm has this shift in this, in this hip hop culture. And, wow. and look at respecting the elders who are putting out that music and respecting these guys who are coming out because there is a lot of, of hip-hop out there that is conscious, that is talking right. about something, that is talking about upliftment. And honestly, I, I'm starting to see a shift. Davey, don't you start seeing a shift where people are kind of getting tired of the mumble rap now? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, you know, uh, you know uh, it goes to the, from the beat, well, from, from my perspective, like your heartbeat. So that's, that's mm. why uh, hip hop is international because because of the drums. Um, I, I did a, a, a world culture fest and you know uh, basically what I saw is we all united around drums. Mm. You know, uh, you know the, the language is secondary pretty much, but um, if you if you have then it's, 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 it's controlled. You know what I mean? Until until we get our own or. or, or no. It seems like our own, man. percussion is the best. Is is the percussion is is one way of communicating. And I'm thinking, this is a 
this is another opportunity, uh, maybe what we could call a second chance, the fact that it has globalized and that the messages have gone global and people are telling their stories in their countries through hip hop. And it, it seems like this is an opportunity to to rejoin this uh, this thing as a movement in terms of getting away from the distractions that the corporate messages have have provided. Now we can get back to some real messaging. Yeah, right. The essence, the essence of what hip hop is really supposed to be. I right. agree with you 100%. And, and uh, will there be an opportunity to have a discussion with you in person? You, David? Yeah, sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So you okay. can call. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm, 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 you know, uh, you know, I'm. Uh, just like the lyrics, I'm, I'm tired of hearing the same old breakbeat. So mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I, I do my research to, to still find new, newest things. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like your patties and dance to the drums beat. You know, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a lot more music. Out there. Like that's even with commercial, pretty much. I mean, you know, no, no, nobody's researching the the, the craft. Right, and you know. So, it goes back to when, when I first started DJing, uh, we used to scratch the name off the record so nobody would know what it is. <laughs> uh, I mean, because everybody would be playing the same thing. Right, right. Well, you know, I've always, I, I remember years ago appreciating rappers who were able to use uh, unexpected musical forms in their rap. Like, I was very interested to hear hip-hoppers uh, put in jazz music for instance sample jazz music uh, right. uh take me to the mardi gras was a song that i didn't think anybody appreciated until i heard it in a rap <laughs> i was like yeah so this is this is innovative and i you know yeah. I, I think of artists like uh like the andre 3000 who's gone to the flute and has completely innovated right we are we yeah. going to see more of that do you think uh you know, he, he he's a respected artist, so I guess his his record label will be behind him. I'm not I'm not sure if he's still on were they on Jazz Records or whatever label nah, they were on. They were on the face, but he's 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 releasing that independently yeah. now. And I, I think it was great for him to okay. do that because everybody right. wanted to hear everybody wants to hear Andre three thousand, but the fact that he had the courage to just release a album that's all flute and then uh, to your point, people did. There were several artists that sampled his flute, his yeah. flute um, album. So you know, all all the hip hop is based on sampling. So it's always good to see that. Like you know, Guru back in the day with Jazzmatazz, and um, you know, Grandmaster Flash doing breakbeats, Davey doing breakbeats. It's just getting back to really the heart and the rhythm of it. Because like you said, the drums is a that's a communication for us. You know, and the second you hear a drum, your foot starts tapping. Right, so it's just a sonic. It's a sonic thing that you just can't help, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's the reason why it has such staying power. I mean, we're talking about the fact that even when the drum was outlawed during slavery, we were still able to use our voices and our footsteps right. <laughs> yeah, to achieve the same thing. To the beatbox. Yeah, the whole body is a, is a beatbox. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, the fat boys were able to really take that to a whole new level, right, David E.? 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was innovation, and uh, yeah, it is it's a wide open slate. So Harry, give us once again the 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 information about when we get get an opportunity to meet Davy D and DJ Double Up. Um, that will be this, uh, tomorrow, um, February. Oh, it's tomorrow, uh, between the hours of Thursday, five and Thursday, eight Thursday. at Thursday. Mm-hmm. Thursday. Sorry, I'm sorry, I got my date. Thursday. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> Thursday. I apologize. Between five and eight at seventeen oh four North Howard Avenue at the New Whiskey and Rhythm. Um, uh, and we would love to have everybody come out and just join us um, for this festival. And like you said, it's kicking off Black History Month, so I'm excited about it as well. Yes, yes. And I'm certainly excited about uh, the future going forward in terms of not just whiskey and rhythm, because it sounds like this is a hot new venue where we can all get together and, and really celebrate the culture. Yeah, come most on down, y'all. Let's get it. Yeah, come on down. Come on down. You're going to hear some classic stuff from Davey. Uh, me and DJ Royce will be playing everything that, that, that you forgot about, that <laughs> you haven't heard in a long time. And also, you know, we, we're into the Afro House movement, bringing some new vibrations, some new sounds in the lounge, which come check out the lounge, get something to eat. We have drink specials. We have sections, whatever you want. Just come down and check us out at the Whiskey and Rhythm in All the War right. Room. And not to imagine, not to uh, leave out the food there is amazing. The staff is great. And I'm not just tooting my own horn, but I love my team. We, we've done a, a heck of a job trying to bring different vibes um, back to our culture to try to just, um, just bring us all together collectively in one place. Yeah, and it hasn't been there that long, has it? No, we actually opened our doors about four weeks ago. We were doing some soft launches since about um, April. And we did a grand opening um, back in December. So, yeah, we've been open just for a short period of time, but we've been kind of launching and trying to build partnerships as we go along to kind of get our footprint out there and just kind of make some headways. So we're still in trial trial and error stage, but we definitely want to get out there and, and, and help and support our community as much as possible. And David D, any biopics in the future? And uh, who has been unsung in your opinion? Uh, who's been? Yeah, that we should know more about. We need to know more about their story. Uh, Larry, Larry Smith. You know, I'm speaking for people that's no longer here. You know, um, Forty Five King. Um, you know, these are people that I. Uh, kind of started with 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 a, a group called Orange Crush, yeah. Uh, that, that Larry produced Houdini and and uh, Run DMC's first albums. Uh, you, uh, you know, Forty Five King produced uh, Hard Night Life, Jay Z. You know, these are people that are no longer here. That, that you know that need, needs to be talked about. Yeah, because they they can't speak for themselves. Um, I'm also doing a documentary, uh, Life of a DJ. Um, oh okay. Where I, can I, we I, see I, that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm com- coming to to full sales to finish it up uh, while I'm there. Actually. Oh okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, that sounds exciting. So it's a documentary about oh, yeah. your life or a number of yeah, people's lives. Know, and and uh, you know the, the 
the, the people I ran, the circle I ran in with was with Russell Simmons and, and uh, you know, Curtis Blow, Fat Boys and Danny, Jimmy Spicer. Um, to name a few. Okay. Yeah. Sound like it's uh-huh. going to be a, a a teaching opportunity <laughs> to learn oh, yeah. something. Uh, mm-hmm. A learning moment. Yes, yes. And the last word, they, uh, DJ Double Up, as we come towards the end of the program here. Uh, just, you know, for all, all the people listening out there, man, just respect the elders of hip-hop through your history. Get to know who really made the foundation for what this is, this billion-dollar industry. And, you know, respect them. Do your research. Yeah. And come to Whiskey and Rhythm. Enjoy yourself in the lounge. Have some good food and get an education on February the 1st. Well, come on out, Joe. All right, DJ Double Up, thank you for that. And uh, David D, we're looking forward to seeing you on February the 1st. And uh, Harriet Jackson, thank you for joining us to talk about this new venue, Whiskey and Rhythm. Thank you all. Thank you for having us on, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, this has been Community Speaks, and uh, we... Just had an opportunity to learn something about and a pioneer of hip-hop, Davey D. Met a couple of few people here in our community that cares about this community, that cares about progress. And uh, we're going to continue to promote these types of events that promote the culture, that promote positive action in this community. And uh, one more thing I want to share with you before we get out and make room, the... Uh, there's an initiative called See Us Rise. That's C. That's uh, C spelled as S E A. See Us Rise, and has introduced as part of their mission to inspire the the creation of unifying music for global climate action. And they're inviting musicians to join in a global community to make music, to educate and entertain around global warming. And if you are a musician, a writer, or maybe even a poet, write them at info at seeusrise.org. Also, keep it tuned to WMNF and WMNF.org for It's the Music Monday coming your way next with Blaney Whalen. And uh, we're going to be back next week with another edition of Community Speaks, talking to you, talking about your community, and giving you some positive vibes about where we're headed and uh, talk about all of those who's trying to push us backwards. We trying to push it forward. So keep it tuned. WMNF Tampa, your community conscious radio. Keep it tuned for the rest of the day as we get back to the music.